Blog Talk Radio. Another day, another chance. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome back to Riding the Wave. I'm Mark Healy, the editor-in-chief of the Wave newspaper in Rockaway Beach, Rockaway's newspaper since 1893. And joining me today is one of the candidates for Queens District Attorney. His name is Jose Nieves, and he joins us here on the program. Uh, welcome. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate being here. Now, one of, one of the things that I had wanted to do uh, with this process of having all the district attorneys on, it actually came from, and that's, I guess, that's just the way journalists work, uh, is I asked a question. You know, I asked a question because I had read a couple of things, and we had done a story here on one of the candidates. Um, and, you know, we have a vested interest here in Rockaway because we feel that uh, we're always left out of the decision-making process. So mm-hmm. what better way to be involved in the decision-making process than to find out what we can about, you know, each candidate that's running. And the question that I asked was, I hear a lot of people talking about reform, and I hear a lot of people talking about that um, they want to help out people who have been charged with crimes. Um, But in my mindset has always been, you know, and I know it's a TV show, but Law and Order has been with us almost as long as Richard Brown was (laughs) was in office. You know, you're talking about almost, you know, really a long time. Um, and it's the prosecutors who, you know, who, you know, who prosecute the, you know, who prosecute the cases. So my question was, is that, you know, is anyone running who's actually going to prosecute, who's actually prosecuted a case before? Because I think right. it's important. Absolutely. So, so... A friend of mine reached out to me and said, "Hey, have you have you heard about this gentleman Jose Nieves, who's who's running? Because you know I used to work with him and I, I know him very well. And so I, because of that suggestion from a friend, I wanted you have I wanted you to be the first one on the show so that people could hear from someone who's actually prosecuted a case. Absolutely. So what made you decide to want to run? You know, I I gotta tell you, you know, the decision um, or the journey that brought me to this decision started 25 years ago. 
when I was growing up in East New York, Brooklyn. And I was seeing a lot of crime in the streets. I, ha I witnessed homicides as a young man, and it was, it was tra traumatizing. And I wanted to, you know, do something to, to keep my community safe, to, to change the way my community was, was, was basically. Um, but at the same time, I, you know, I, I was, uh, you know, subject to, to a lot of racial profiling. There was one night I was coming from the gym at Jamaica Avenue, and a uh, blue and white uh, cop car pulls up to the sidewalk right where I was walking. They jump out and they say, you know, we need to hold, hold on, we need to talk to you. I had just got stopped before, so I knew the drill. You know, you keep your hands open, out where they can see them, yes sir, no sir, and you do what they say. So I figured it was going to be just another stop and frisk that, that I've been experiencing in the past. But then they held me there. And what happened was, as I was there with my hands in the car, I look up and I see a unmarked police vehicle with tinted windows coming down Jamaica Avenue at a slow speed. And my heart sinks because I realized it was just not stop and frisk. This was something else. And I was praying to God that I wasn't misidentified as, as somebody who had done something wrong, that somebody was going to allege that I had done something wrong. But the car stopped and then kept on going, and the police let me, let me go. I was shaken up, though, because I was, I was in a second away of having my entire life changed from, from that moment on. And I came home, and I told my brother about it. He said, you could do two things. You can either, um, you know, get angry and mouth off at the police and get yourself arrested, or you can do something positive with your life and help your community, help your, um, your family, and, and be constructive with, with, your, with your future. So I chose to go into criminal justice to change the system from within, to make it more sensitive to communities like mine, to communities that, that you know, are, are, are you know, tra traditionally over-policed. Um, and I grew up in the 75 precinct, which is a very tough precinct. Um, and it has also been a very long history of police corruption as well. Um, so I seen it all uh, just growing up in that atmosphere and uh, so I went to St. John's University I studied criminal justice my intent was to become a police officer but then I realized that the people who have power over the criminal justice system are not the police officers necessarily are the judges the defense counsels and the prosecutors uh, so I went on to law school where I met my wonderful wife Vivian uh, and and you know from law school I went straight into the DA's office and I worked under uh, Joe Hines uh, for 12 years. Uh, my wife was also a DA at, jo at uh, the Brooklyn DA's office for, uh, actually I worked for 11 years, she worked there for 12. And uh, we learned a lot. We learned a lot about prosecuting crime. I prosecuted every type of crime you can think of from, um, you know, your, your misdemeanor offenses all the way to attempted murders, burglaries, and stuff like that. And then after 11 years, I felt that although we were doing good work because we, we had programs in the Brooklyn DA's office, we were, we were giving people second chances, we were helping them with their drug programs, uh, drug uh, problems through, progr through programs and diver diversion programs. But we, you know, I felt that we weren't, I wasn't doing enough to change the system. So in 2015, what happened was the Southern District of New York had sued the Department of Corrections because their officers, their correction officers, were using excessive force on all the individuals, pre-conviction individuals. These are pre-trial detainees who have not been convicted of a crime. The individuals incarcerated at Rikers Island, they were using excessive force on them. Um, and that was a violation of the Eighth Amendment. So what they forced them, to, the, the you know, the U.S. Attorney's Office forced the Department of Corrections to do was to revamp their use of force, um, you know, policies and procedures, and bringing seasoned prosecutors to hold the correctional officers accountable. 
So I was one of the lead attorneys, prosecutors that came in to hold correctional officers accountable for abusing their authority and, and, and exercising excessive force against correctional officers. Um, and, then in and then in 2017, uh, actually 2016, I joined the New York State Attorney General's Office, Special Investigations and Prosecutions Unit, where I prosecuted and investigated police officers who engaged in excessive force, abused their authority, engaged in excessive force, and caused the death of unarmed civilians. So, you know, for the last six years of my career, uh, I used the training and the expertise I built up as an 11-year prosecutor with the Brooklyn District Attorney's Office to actually make the system more fair and make the system more accountable so that the, you know, you know, the people that are inside the system know that no one's above the law, no one's below the law, we're all subject to the same law. So, obviously, a, an impressive resume. You also left out, you know, a couple of other things. Yes. I, but I want to add because I think it's important sometimes that in this instance where we're not questioning your ability to prosecute, you've done that before. Exactly. Um, but you have some other things. I always call them gravy. When you have things that are... Uh, things that you've done in other, you know, in other aspects. You've served your community in other ways that I feel uh, probably will help you uh, with, if you're elected, uh, you know, to deal with a lot of the intricacies of what a prosecutor has to deal with, okay? Right. And I think one of those things uh, that you and I talked about before when we went on the air was uh, your serving uh, with the Army uh, and also Board 5. So talk about those two different experiences and how you think that would help you uh, serve as Queens District Attorney. So, you know, yeah, I'm a combat veteran. I served over 10 years um, in the U.S. Army. Uh, I served one year in Afghanistan, and my, and my mission in Afghanistan was actually to um, assist with the rule of law uh, creation in Afghanistan. So what I was doing is we, I was making sure they had the infrastructure and the training to do three things, corrections, law enforcement, which are the cops, and the courts. So I would train and supervise judges, uh, prosecutors, defense counsels, uh, wardens, and uh, police chiefs in the administration of justice in Afghanistan. And one of the things that I saw is that when, when the, 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 the populace, the people who are you're serving, lose their trust and confidence in the, in the system, especially the criminal justice system or the legal systems, the, you know, once they lose their confidence in those systems, it, it's gone for almost forever. And I think that, you know, you know, coming back from Afghanistan, I saw a lot of, of that going on in, in the states where people were losing confidence in the criminal justice system because they kept, kept seeing, you know, individuals dying at the hands of police. They kept seeing individuals wrongfully convicted and exonerated later on, having served half their life in jail. Um, and, they, and they saw that there were a lot of issues with the criminal justice system where they didn't want to put their faith and trust in it anymore. And uh, I think that, you know, what I wanted to do in my career, with the rest of my career, is try to enforce the trust and, and confidence of the public in the criminal justice system that I've dedicated my entire career to. Um, and, it, and for me, it's about service, you know, service to country, service uh, to community, and it's always been about that. And the community board, we serve the communities uh, by providing services. 
by making sure that the people had access to, to, to information. What's going on in your community? How can you participate in your community activities, whether it be youth services, employment services, housing, um, how we're going to develop together with the input of the community the neighborhood that we live in and make it better and make it more responsive. And I think as district attorney, that's a huge lesson because um, you want the district attorney's office to be a place where it's responsive to the community. It knows, it's, it's in touch and in tune with what the community wants, whether it be Far Rockaway or Whitestone, whether it be Woodhaven or, or Queens Village. The Queen Queen District Attorney's Office needs to be responsive and needs to know what the concerns of the community are. And as a community board member, that's the first and foremost, the most important job you have, is to know what the community wants and to try to serve that need. Um, so as, and, and I continue to serve the community as, you know, you know our mutual friend Steve, uh, just, you know, as coaches of, of the flag football team of my parish, I'm the director of the youth guild of my parish, I'm also um, the you know co-president of the PTA of my uh, children's school and and you actually know the co-president as well Joe Saperito. Um so you know I I continue to serve uh, because for me it's about doing the right thing the right way for the right reasons and that's what I instill with um, in my players that's why what I instill in my soldiers as, as you know because I left as a captain and from the army and you know the soldiers that I led. And also that's why I instill in, in all the staff that I supervise, even at the New York State Attorney General's office. You know, you, you know, you see, you're, you're, if you're going to represent the government, if you're going to represent the people of the state of New York, you should be doing the right thing for the right reasons and the right way. And that's your focus. So we talked about, you know, your experience. We talked about some of the other things that you could lend, uh, you know, from your experience, not necessarily as a prosecutor, but as a member of the community and how you can kind of uh, you know, fit those pieces in as well. Uh, but you touched on something that I think is very important. And I'm going to be devil's advocate a little bit, uh, just based on some of the things that you said, and I've, I've, I've obviously read up on you, and, mm -hmm. and, and just from my own perspective, if I was, if I was just a, a person that went to work every day, I mean, I am a person that goes to work every day, <laughs> but if I didn't do what I did, if I don't do, right. if I don't, if I didn't do what I do now, and uh, as, a, as a journalist, where I question much more than I would if I was just that person, you know, going about their business every day. You know, I'm, I'm a husband, I'm a father, and I want my kids to be safe. I want to live in a safe so. community. So part of that, part of that mindset, and I think that you'll find a lot of that in Rockaway. Um, and you, in, in fact, Rockaway is probably the best place like in New York, in Queens, that really represents kind of both sides of this situation, where you have people in this community, members of this community, that feel that they're over-policed, that feel that uh, sometimes, uh, you know, maybe the police go overboard. Um, uh, you have groups that have protested against D.A. Brown, thinking that his process and his, the way that his office ran things uh, was uh, was you know overly uh, you know overboard not overly overboard but you know what I mean like yeah. like you know didn't didn't treat uh, the community fairly but then there's the other side you have a lot of first responders that live in Rockaway a lot of people who are on the job or were on the job uh, both as police officers or 
you know, firefighters, and, and even though those two groups don't necessarily sing Kumbaya together, um, not always, not always. you know, it's just kind of, you know, the idea of the rhetoric being that the system is broken, mm-hmm. yet crime is down. And so, like, finding the balance as a voter and saying, well, I, lo- I like a lot of what Jose's done, but he talks about prosecuting the police more than he talks about um, maybe protecting. And again, this is, this is just my, yeah. you know, the rhetoric is about fixing a broken system. And I, I'll grant you that. It's broken. I mean, there's a lot of things that need to be fixed, a lot of things that need to be reformed. And, and we have to talk about them always on an issue-by-issue basis, which I think that you would do as a, as a prosecutor. But, but um, I think there needs to be more discussion, or do you think there needs to be more discussion about um, you know, doing your job for the people that are law-abiding and don't find themselves in those situations and protecting their lives as well? You know, I, I think that you're right. I think there has to be a balance, you know. Um, it can't always be about uh, one-sided focused uh, argument, um, you know, and I, I, I have that balance because of the background that I have, you know, one, being grown up, growing up in a tough neighborhood, I've seen what violence can do. It can tear apart families, it can tear apart communities, and I have, I've got skin in the game because I have a 13-year-old son and a, and a 16-year-old daughter who have to take the bus to school every day, so I want to make sure that they're safe. They come home every day and they're fine. Um, and so I want public safety. The core function of the district attorney's office is to, pr- is to secure and provide public safety for the people of Queens. And that's what I'm going to focus on. I'm going to focus on prosecuting violent crime. Now, you know, the first question that's going to come in my mind is, well, does it affect public safety? You know, you have index crimes, what the p- police precincts call index crimes. They follow them very closely. They're homicides, rapes, burglaries, serious assaults. Um, robberies. Those are serious crimes because they affect directly public safety. And, you know, that's going to be my focus as district attorney. Now, on the other side, and you've acknowledged it, there we have problems in our system. And one of the fundamental problems in our system is people don't think it's fair. People don't think it's equal. People don't think that it's just for everybody. And I think that's, that, that's, that's a problem because it, it, it undermines the credibility of the system, and it undermines, you know, the work that, the good work that prosecutors do every day. So you have to address that in order to have the public's confidence and trust, because without their public, without the public's trust, we can't prosecute crimes, because witnesses won't, won't, won't cooperate. We can't prosecute crimes, because victims won't report, because people just don't feel that the system's there to help them. And I think that's where you find the balance, is you create a fair system where people believe and trust that it's going to be a system that doesn't wrongfully incarcerate people, doesn't wrongfully convict individuals, that uh, a system that is going to hold everybody equally accountable. You know, I don't want to make it seem like I've I've got 18 years of service as a prosecutor. I've served uh, with police officers, as partners with police officers, and there are 36,000 police officers that serve the city every day, and they do a hard job, and they do it well. And just like there, there are thousands of soldiers that serve this country. But, you know, I was a military prosecutor, and when someone violated the, the rules, the code uh, in military, it's the code of military justice in, in, the, uh, in the police department, it's the patrol guide or, or, or the law. When somebody violates the law, you have to hold them accountable. 
because then if you don't hold them accountable, you just lowered the standard. You know, so for me, it's not about prosecuting all cops. For me, it's about individual police officers or, or, or politicians, for that matter, or any other public officials that abuse their authority and use their position to abuse their authority and, and, and violate their, their, the trust of the public. That person I have to prosecute because I have to show the public that everyone's subject to the same law. That all because you carry a badge or because you, you have an, a, an official title does not give you exemption from following the rules just like everybody else. And I think that, you know, I want to make sure we're clear that, you know, I'm not an anti-cop uh, individual. I've served with police officers and I know they do a great job and I know they, they sacrifice a lot uh, to, to include uh, their own lives for our safety. So I, so I always give them that honor and, and acknowledgement. But I, that, but I also know how important it is for the people who are doing their job and doing the good work that they're doing, how important it is to hold the others, the people who violate that trust, accountable. Because I don't want everyone's reputation, the entire department's reputation, tainted and stained by the mis misconduct of a few. So that's why I'm very focused on you know, public safety, but holding individuals accountable, including the system, including elected officials and, you know, you know, judges and prosecutors. Uh, we need to hold prosecutors accountable. You know, I think everyone that has the public's trust and, and has an official position should be held account to what they do and the decisions they make. And, and when you do that, and people who violate that, that, that trust, when they're held accountable, the public has trust in the system. It's not just going to pick and choose who it prosecutes. It's not going to give a pass to somebody because of the station they have in life. Everyone is going to be equal under the law. Well, I think it's important. I think it's important to realize that you, you know, I mean, I knew what your answer was going to be, but, you know, when you only... I know the questions people ask me mm -hmm. when I interview a candidate. Uh, and I'm very careful because with great power comes great responsibility. Absolutely, you know, and 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 that's basically what that's that's what you know what you're talking about is that you know you you have to be held to a higher standard when you are given that kind of you know uh, that that kind of power over people, you know, and and I know that you know if we had a police officer here or if we had a uh, you know. Uh, you know, a parent here that, that lives in this community, you know, they would ask those same kinds of questions. And that's why I try to, you know, I listen. I do a lot of listening. My wife would, you know, might disagree. <laughs> I actually do a lot of listening and, and observing and seeing how people uh, react to certain questions or react to certain, you know, situations. And that allows me to kind of have these kinds of interviews with people that are running for something that they want to represent a community that maybe they're not so familiar with but I don't believe that you can only that 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 I, somebody who wants a rockaway vote you know for for a borough-wide office such mm -hmm. as this should get to know that person and that really was one of the one of the main reasons I wanted you to come on so that you know uh, you know, right now the the two leading people, you know, are are Roy Lankman and and Melinda Katz, or at least that's what you know the media has put out there. That they're right. the two leading candidates. Neither of them has ever prosecuted a case. So you know, is it a popularity contest? I mean, I guess it is because it's voting. Mm -hmm. But you know, I I know for myself, 
if I'm going to hire someone here at the Wave, uh, I want to know what their experience is. Absolutely. You know, I don't care how popular they, they are, you know, because really, and what I do, it's definitely not a popularity contest. Right. You know, there's plenty of people that question uh, what we, you know, the stories that we, we do and, and the different uh, the different stories we choose to do. Like you might, when, when you get elected, if you get elected, you know, there might be a case that you have to prosecute that you have to do it. I mean, there's just no question about it. Um, and I think that having someone, and you have a, a, a wide variety of prosecution experience. So you, you haven't, you've worked at the city level, you've worked at the state level, you've also worked at the federal level. You know, with, with you know, in in, in your uh, in your service to our country. And thank you for that, by the way. Um, I think that it's important too. You talk about your wife. You talk about your kids. Talk about that your wife also comes from that. You know, from that experience of, of being a DA and working in a DA's office, so uh, that's someone else you can get. You know, some perspective from. And she's a defense counsel now. Oh, even better. And she's on so the other you side. Can, <laughs> you can you can fight over lots of stuff. Um, but I think that I think it's important to point out that your children take public transportation, that they're going to school, that they're they're not they're not tucked away somewhere safe. You know, uh, relatively safe. Uh, you know, and you're just talking from you know using your rhetoric to 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 get, to get voted, uh, to get voted in. You're actually someone that lives this every day. Exactly. You know, you send your kids off to school. You want to make sure that they're safe, and you want to make sure that there are people that shouldn't be on the street that won't be on the street, and that the people that you know low-level, you know, for instance, you know. I think that for so long, you know, people would have a joint and they'd get arrested for it. Right. And I'm not, I'm not going to get into that argument, but there are people who belong behind bars and there are people that don't. Absolutely. And I, I agree. think that's what I we have to reform. Yes, that's, that's what and we that's have to... And the question is gonna, in my mind is always going to be, how is this affecting public safety? If the individual is a, a threat to, to the public, is a threat to individuals in the public, then we need to take that case seriously. We need to de uh, dedicate all our resources to prosecuting that case and making sure that the individuals who, who kill, rape, and hurt and others in our community are no longer on the streets. Um, like I said before, you know, we have families. This is a family community, Queens. This is a strong community of individuals who serve not only in the city, but you know, their, their country, and there are a lot of veterans out there. So we need to make sure that we do the right thing about, you know, with regards to, to public safety. And that's what, you know, as a career prosecutor with 18 experience, that's what experience gives you, a nuanced understanding of the criminal justice system and being able to evaluate what is public safety and how is it affected. What crimes do you need to focus on versus other crimes where you can be more lenient, be more compassionate with. Um, and, you know, these other candidates, they'll tell you, well, you don't have to be a prosecutor to do this job. And I say that is wrong. Because when you have high-profile cases, like an individual, uh, you know, raped and murdered in a park, those, the decisions that make those cases, what happens in those cases uh, occur, are made by the DA. They're not made by the lower assistant district attorney. They're not made by the executive. Those high-profile um, cases have to be decided by the DA, whether they, uh, what charges are, are brought, what, whether the bail is set, 
whether uh, remand is re requested, all the details, because it's so important to the community, and the community expects the person they elected to make those decisions, because that's the person that they can hold accountable and elect out of office if they don't agree with the person's decisions. So for them, to, you know, for the other candidates to say, well, I'm just going to hire great people, and those great people are going to make great decisions, and I'm going to rely on them, we heard that. We heard that with other candidates, and it doesn't work out that way. It doesn't work out that you have to elect the individual that's capable of doing the job on day one because they have the experience to be able to make the tough decisions and to be able to stand behind them and say, you know what, this was my call. I charged this case the way I did because of the law and the facts, and this is why I made that decision. Not because someone on my staff advised me it was the best thing to do. Not that that hurts. It's good to have a good team. Right. No, yeah, absolutely. It's always great to but have. But you want the person who's making the decision <laughs> to, know to what select the team yeah. to, to have that, you know, I don't know. Like, I always look at, um, obviously, I'm going to bring up another TV show mm -hmm. uh, because that's how my brain works. But I always remember uh, the old Mission Impossible. Not, t not, not the Tom Cruise movies, but the old show where every mission, the guy would take, you know, uh, Mr. Phelps would take out the folder and he'd pick the team yes. for each individual mission. Yes, I remember. It, it was important not only that he knew what the job was and did the job, but, but to select the people, because let's face it, if you, if you become the Queens District Attorney and you don't know what makes a good prosecutor because you've never been a prosecutor yourself, exactly. I think it's a hard sell. It, you know, how do you pick the right people to do the job at the executive level, at the management level, middle management level? Because those are the ones that set policy, enforce, enforce the, the, the policies and procedures. And if, they, and if you don't have the experience, like you're an editor of a newspaper, the, the how you hire your staff is based on your training, your experience, your professional uh, acumen. So, you know, all those things go into how I choose my staff. And if the DA himself or herself is an individual that does not have that depth of knowledge, depth of experience, broad-based uh, uh, understanding, nuanced understanding of the criminal justice system, they're flying blind. They're, they're truly flying blind because how do they know what's a good prosecutor? How do they know what, who's qualified to manage and